Wait, wait, wait. Brandon, am I supposed to understand that you're a Bravos fan? Huge Braves fan. Huge. Wow. How is that a surprise? He's he's from North Carolina, right? Like the Braves, the TBS Superstation for years was like the only professional baseball team they would probably get over there. There's everyone in the, in the entire Southeast, Tom, just to reveal something to you. They're all Braves fans, the same way that people from Iowa are all Cubs fans. Because that was the only thing they could see on TV. Yeah, specifically the uh, the group of people my age. You know, I, I, when I was growing up, I thought that uh, the sun rose and set on Dale Murphy's command. So um, that was uh, I was part of that Dale Murphy generation, the Dale Murphy youth. Yeah, I, I mean, I grew up. I was part of the Greg Maddox youth. The fact that like he threw a complete game with like eighty one pitches, and it was just <laughs> insane. Like it, I remember watching Sports Center, and wa- they 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 showed every single ball. <laughs> it was like seven balls. Like all right, we're gonna show every single ball that he threw, and it took like it was it was amazing. It was incredible. I rem- I vividly remember this. Tom, you know, like for Braves fans of a certain age, the number one question is, where were you when Sid slid? Oh, that was like the, the hallway. Brandon, where were you when Sid yeah, slid? I, yeah. I was running up and down the hallway outside of my bedroom. I was in the seventh grade. <laughs> I remember it. I mean, it was so many years of futility to have that. That was that was fun. But, uh, but yeah, those those 74 Greg Maddox strikes he threw, I bet none of them touched any of the white on the plate either. They were all they were all on the edge of the play. They were all painted the black, I bet. Welcome to the Haber Show. I'm Tom Haberstro. That's me now, Hassan. Welcome to the Haber Show. I'm Tom Haberstro. Welcome to the Haber Show. I'm Tom Haberstro. That's me now, Hassan. Hey, Brandon, your voice sounds a little hoarse. Have you been coaching your kids? Are you just coming out yeah. of practice here? <clears throat> been coaching and, and uh, yeah, a lot of coaching. We had uh, 11 games this past weekend between my two sons So in our organization here. So it, it was a busy one. There's a, there's a lot of points you got to get across and then you got to do it in a loud environment. <laughs> do you evolve from being the, uh, the loud coach to the soft coach? Like, do you play different kind of Brandon Payne's, Coach Payne's? No, no, I don't. No, I, you know, we, we have, uh, we have some pretty strict, One note. <laughs> just yeah. blast them nonstop. And it's not blasting. You know, we just have a, we have a rule <laughs> in our organization. You know, we don't, we don't play the scoreboard. We play to get better. And, uh, you know, we get some big leads from time to time. We have some guys get kind of lax and we have a lot of NBA connections on our team. So, you know, we have James Brago sons play on our organization, our teams and, you know, and we've got a lot of former NFL guys who have their sons on our team. So it's a it's a group that has a little bit of a higher expectation and and uh, and approach it a little bit differently. All right. So give me the scouting report on JB's son. Is it uh, is he more LaMelo? Is he more uh, Kemba? Is he more Cody Zeller? Is he more um, just throwing out some Hornets guys? Is he is he more Alonzo Mourning? Like what kind of type of game does does he bring to the table? And then we're going to ask JB. Yeah. Which so, player he thinks. So Zach is a guy that's um he's kind of starting to he's coming into his own a little bit. He's he's a very good facilitator. So we actually run we run a lot of the same stuff that the Hornets run. We run a lot of the same stuff that the Warriors run. So it's it's a lot of NBA action and and concepts. So um he helps to facilitate, he helps to lead. I mean, it, it can be overwhelming for the other guys out there that haven't been around that level of basketball that much. So he's a really smart guy. Um, he's scoring more to the basket. You know, if we can get him to stop stepping on three point line when he shoots perimeter shots, I'd be a lot happier, but, uh, but no, he's playing, he's playing well. 
That's great. I always thought that like, you know, that wasn't going to be a problem with kids today. They're always so far behind the line that you don't have to worry about them stepping on the line. Well, I had to ask him the other day if his foot had just grown a couple sizes in the past couple of weeks because he keeps at least one toe on the line at all times. We, we lead the nation at uh, 19 foot, eight inch jump shots. Oh, yeah. That's the, the Channing Fry, as I like to call it. <laughs> Stepping on that line. Get <laughs> off that line, boys. Yeah. You have a flight to catch in the morning, so we won't keep you too long here. I know you got to go tend to some NBA player, maybe not, um, I don't know, some guy you've worked with before. Stephen Curry, four games in. Um, Michael Porter Jr., also one of the guys you've been working with. Have you ever gotten them in a drill in a shooting competition before? Absolutely. We had uh, we had an entire week of nothing but, but competitive shooting workouts this year with Michael and Steph together. And it's uh, it's amazing. It's amazing because you know, they're, they're two guys that that have complete and total control over the basketball. And um, they're two guys that are extremely competitive. And it got to a point, I think, probably on day two where you got surprised if the ball hit the rim. It wasn't it wasn't a matter of makes and misses. You just got a little surprised if the ball hit the rim because they were just that dialed in and that competitive in those certain drills we were going through. And, um, you know, Michael's a guy that is still just scratching the surface. I mean, we haven't seen nearly what he's going to become. He's still trying to get healthy. You know, he's still working through some issues stemming from those surgeries. He had the one he had at Mizzou and then the one he had right before the draft. And um, once he's playing on two feet, he's going to be a scary man. Uh, You know, but right now he's still having to do it in in a way that – is a little bit limiting and, you know, but he's still having a lot of success. Brandon, I'm curious when you bring a guy into the gym, even like a pro like Mike into the gym with Steph for the first time, even though they've played against him on the court in live NBA action, is there a level of shock of seeing him in a practice arena? And I just seeing, Oh my God, it's Steph Curry, but seeing how he operates, how hard he works or just how good he is in a practice environment. I think, it, you know, I think there is a little bit of shock and a little bit of amazement and just his process and, and how process oriented and driven he is and and how every little thing that he does and, and we do in a workout it has a purpose. And, it, and it's always pushing us forward. Um, and then the speed, the speed of the workout is, um, you know, I'm, I'm just used to it. So, it, you know, I don't it, it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't catch me off guard, but you know, I won't name the name, but we had a a young guy in a workout with Steph, not this past, not this off season, but last off season during the COVID five minutes in, he was already sitting down on the sideline and you know, we're, at, yeah, we're having to go get a, a trash can or we're having to find somewhere for him to, uh, oh, wow. you know, do what he Evacuate. had to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, um, and it wasn't that the drill was overly complicated is just to try to go at the same pace that Steph works at. It's very difficult. Um, and I think that um, that's what makes Stefan so special is that we're always working at an incredibly fast pace, but we're always doing it with very disciplined and game-like mechanics. And I think that a lot of young players um, struggle with that concept. They struggle with what uh, NBA work really is. Um, you know, it, it, it's to, to be an NBA guy that, that really stands out and, and be one of these guys that gets big, big deals. There's an incredible work ethic and an incredible drive to want to get better that has to be there. And um, I think 
once the kids really see that when they're in the workout with them, they're, they're kind of struck by it. You know, I can tell you one guy that really took advantage of that is Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole's done a great job of taking advantage of that. We talk about this a lot, Tom, uh, when, when I was with the team, is that every guy thinks they work hard up until they work out with someone who actually works hard. And then they realize, oh, I've been bullshitting my entire life. So a lot of these guys aren't <laughs> actually being lazy. They actually think that I'm working hard because this is what hard has been their entire life. But then when they enter that arena, whether it's with a Steph, a Kobe, a Kevin Durant, that's when realization hits like, oh, shit, that's what hard looks like? Well, I haven't been doing that at all. I have been nowhere close to that. And by the way, they all go through it because I remember the stories about how LeBron figured out he wasn't working hard the first time he's with Kobe on Team USA. They saw how hard Kobe went. It's like, oh, him and Carmelo, like, oh, geez, like that's what hard work looks like? Now, mind you, at this point, LeBron had been to the finals already. But it just highlights there's a different a different level of work ethic that, that these guys are achieving. Absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, I, I never call guys lazy because I don't, you know, if you're an NBA player, something something got you there. I think it's more of a case that you don't know what you don't know until you see it. Right. And mm-hmm. and I, th- I think that kind of speaks to what you were saying there about LeBron. Like you, you just don't know until you're around those super elite guys and and you see, you know, everything, you know, everything is done with purpose and with reason. And and I think that, you know, Mike's been a guy that's always kind of worked with folks in the offseason that, that kind of let him dictate the tempo. And, and instead of the other way around, and, and that's that's a fairly common thing we see as well. And you know, when you get out of being the guy that's dictating the tempo to where you got to match the tempo, that changes things as well. Hey, Brandon, put me in that gym with Michael and and Steph. What is that shooting? What do those shooting drills or shooting competitions look like? Because for the fans at home, they might just think it's like five shots at every spot on the floor. But what is an Elite of the elite NBA. I mean, th- these are like top five, top ten shooters on the planet. So, what does a shooting workout look like? like? Give me numbers, give me spots, give me little gimmicks like in there that that people at home might be like, oh, so that's what it takes. Yeah, with 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 two guys like that, we're going to be very dynamic with how we shoot. So that you know, there's not going to be much spot catch and shoot. We don't do we don't do that. And with Stefan, I don't allow him to take multiple shots from the same range back to back. Anyway, he always has to change range on every shot. Um, so, and then we continue. You know, we continue with that concept. Not only do we not allow him to stay in one space in terms of within a foot or two, we force him to change ranges, and then we force him to move laterally to one side and then to the other. And then we work at angles. So if you look, you think about an asterisk and how that looks, we kind of work in that pattern, front to back, X, and then across. Like we're constantly making him be dynamically stable. Um, so, we, you know, a big part of shooting for me is not only kinematic sequencing from the ground up, but it's also vertical core stability. So we always want to make sure we're challenging their vertical core stability as well as their speed. Uh, we don't take any shots that are slow. And, uh, so, you know, with Mike and with, with Steph, it was really, it's always about challenging them from a, from a range standpoint, challenging from speed and challenging them dynamically and making sure that we're not doing a lot of the same things consecutively. I think that NBA fans can confuse what they see pregame 
for being a workout. That's not a workout. That's somebody that's trying to get mechanically grooved to play a game. That's a, that's a totally different thing. So that's, this is not me saying that that's wrong because that's not wrong, that, that there is no right or wrong. I'm saying that, that what we do with Stefan to make sure that we're working to improve him in the way that he plays is that we have to challenge him depth wise and we have to challenge him dynamically. We also do things to where, you know, we break rhythm. So we don't let him make the same moves over and over again. If we have a, a one count move for a shot, the next shot's got to be a two count move. The next shot's got to be a three count move. So we're changing the rhythms. We're changing the distance and we're changing things dynamically to make sure that we're keeping them in game situations all the time. How much contact within that? Not much. Um, you know, for, for us, the, the, the difficulty um, is kind of what I spoke about. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the, the piece last week about, you know, when we use the, the NOAA technology to, to grade makes and misses. So, you know, it, it, I think some people got a little bit confused about that. They said, oh, we've been doing swishes. And as no, 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 this isn't swishes. You can still swish it and be four inches off center. We don't count that. You got what? Yeah, we you've got to be within what? three inches of center <laughs> on either side. <laughs> so I'd hate playing for you, Brandon. I'd hate it. <laughs> no, it's insane. It's insane. But but Brandon, the reason I ask is I thought about last season for me, the play of the year, just mm-hmm. the most incredible basketball players all year long was Steph against the Celtics. He's at the three-point line, he gets fouled. And the guy is kind of grabbing his right arm. So he switches his left hand and shoots it lefty and he makes it. And I remember in the preseason, there was a similar situation where he tried to draw the foul, didn't get the whistle because it was kind of the new rules of him uh, initiating the contact. And he still made it. And he put it up left-handed and he didn't make it. It it went crazy. And, and someone said, yeah, those new rules. And I said, yeah, I would say that except for the fact I saw him make that shot last year. Yeah. The only difference is the foul call versus the non-foul call. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, on one hand, I want to say that's a lucky shot. On the other hand, the guy's got a track record mm-hmm. of being the most amazing shot maker we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So I, that's why I ask how much of what you guys drill and what you guys go through in those practice environments involves contact and having to adjust to that. So there, there's some of that um, in terms of contact through his shooting motion, not a whole lot. We do a lot of what we call leverage release, which means we force him to stay leveraged against somebody that's, that's leaning on him. And then he has to separate release, catch and shoot balance. So we'll put him in a situation where he has to maintain leverage, whether he's popping, whether he's leveraging the curl whether he's leveraging just to step back or sidestep, we put him in those situations. Um, you know, we try to make sure we, we, we keep our off-season workouts in a position where nobody's around his feet when he's landing. That's a big thing for us. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a, it is a huge thing. You know, we, we have – sometimes we have a guy that will stand there. We have the uh, – you know, we have the bats, the, thing, the padded bats like everybody else has that we're using to distract him. Um, you know, but, but in terms of live defense, you know, we'll do some live one-on-one stuff like Steph and Mike did a lot of one-on-one stuff together. And, and that, that was a good time. They enjoyed it. Um, and we have, we do have a dummy defender that comes in and we'll do nothing but play defense in, in certain situations um, with, with, you know, restrictions on the defender. Yeah. It's, he's a great dude too, but he gets cooked left and right. 
Um, it's uh, so we, we I got do, questions on that too. Yeah, we, we do have, we, you know, we do some of that, but um, you know, we don't do a lot of contact through the mechanics. Now, when you see him throw it up and it, and it goes in, I mean, the guy just has incredible control over the ball, whether it's his right hand. There's sometimes I think he can kick it at the basket and we'll go in. You know, he just he just has that kind of control. And, um, you know, I, I'd love to tell you that that was taught, uh, but it's not. He did, it's just something he possesses. It's something he's got. Hey, Brandon, so how much did the rules affect how you trained this summer or this offseason? Not at all, really. I mean, none. I mean, for me, you know, you're talking about the not being able to jump into people and think, yeah, so. Yeah, I'm one of the guys. It's okay. Steph, Steph's done it. Steph's done I, it before. I, listen, I've had conversations with Steph, and I've even told him, said, "Listen, I know you've made a lot of you 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 you've made some money off of this move, but uh, I don't like it for basketball. And you know, in in my opinion, I think it should be a flagrant foul. I think it should be a flagrant offensive foul when guys jump oh. into defenders. And 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 whether you're jumping backwards or whether you're jumping up in the ribs, guys' ribs. I, in my opinion, I think that should be a flagrant foul. Uh, not just an offensive foul. So I agree with the rule change. Do I think it's going to affect Stefan much? No, no, not at all. All right. We're done with the fluff stuff. How can we make Michael Porter Jr. a better defensive player? Because I'm watching the game the other <laughs> night, and it's like the second possession of the game, he's getting beat back door. And I'm like, come on, man. Yeah. It's year three. We talked about this shit. Or year four, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's year four now for him. Well, I think that there, there's some of the um, – some of it is – you got to want to be better defensively. Def- defense is a want to for sure. Um, and, and there is, when it, when it comes to the on ball stuff, there is an element of health that's still there. So, you know, he's still not quite as mobile on one side as the other. It's something that's coming back slowly and it, it, and it is getting it's better. It's a physical thing. It is a physical thing. And it, it's coming, gotcha. it's, it's just coming back a little slow, but it'll, it, it'll get there eventually. You know, I think Mike's got to do you know, maybe a little better job of, of using angles um, and, and not trying to use athletic ability um, to defend because he certainly has plenty of athletic ability, but he's often, you know, he's often out on, on these guys that are maybe a little bit shorter, maybe a little bit more explosive in their first step than he is. So I think some of it is just playing angles a little bit better and also understanding his length, you know, in the NBA, you want to defend with your length. And I think sometimes he's trying to defend inside of his length so he could actually have a little more space and a little more gap and still be able to affect shots. I think he plays inside of his length a little bit. So I think that that would be helpful if he would just use his length to his advantage. Maybe some of the stuff on the ball would go away. Um, but I mean, you know, a lot of guys have mental breakdowns, especially away from the, away from the ball defensively. You know, you just want to see those get a little bit better over time. And I, I think that he will. He obviously max contract, amazing player, overcoming these injuries. He's performed in the playoffs. I mean, you're asking a lot of a 23 year old, but I, I wonder, can you be almost too, how do I phrase this? He's so long and he gets up so high and he's just so mechanically sound and he can create space laterally, step back, incredible amount of real estate that he can cover with one step. But I got to say, four games, not a single shooting foul beyond just an and one. How does he get to the free throw line more when it's such a he has such a gift at getting his shot off cleanly and the the ability to create space? But what's that next step for a guy who's 23 years old? And I and I think a lot about this with CJ McCollum too is 
We already know he can shoot the lights out with the ball. But that next step from going from like a 25-point scorer to 28, 29, and 30 where Steph is, is a lot about going into the teeth of the defense and drawing contact and not being afraid to get fouled. So where is Mike on that? And I I feel like I'm in his inner circle now, like Kyrie and Kai. (laughs) I feel like now that I'm calling him Mike, I feel like I'm cool now with with Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, I think think he, he... I would like to see him embrace perimeter physicality a little bit better. You know, I, I'd like to see him embrace using some leverage uh, and, and kind of letting guys ride his shoulder and ride his hip a little bit before he separates. I think that would be good for him because, honestly, I think that it, we work a lot on these two-dribble angle jumpers from the wing. So, it's you know, if you receive the ball in the wing or the slot, you can get a two-dribble angle jumper down into the either the short corner or you could take the opposite two dribble angle jumper, which basically gets you to the nail. And he has such great touch and feel from both of those spots because he has kind of this natural fade when he comes up out of the out of the dribble, almost like Kevin Durant. You know, Kevin Durant so high, and he almost had that little fade to him that nobody can really affect his shot at the top of the shot. So I'd, I'd like to see him embrace that hip contact a little bit better, kind of ride that hip contact a little harder before he separates. And I think, again, it's a comfort thing, and I think it's going to come for him for sure. Um, and, you know, he knows it. He's, he's a smart guy. He's, he's a, he's a big-time basketball intellect, you know. And, and um, you know, so I think that I think that'll come with over time. But just embracing that, that chest battle, we call it the chest battle. You want to get your shoulder in the middle of his chest. If you can get your shoulder in the middle of the defender's chest, you control him, and you can let him ride your hip until you separate. That's something we do with Stefan as well. So, I mean, are you like a white noise sleeper? Do you need like city noise? Do you need someone talking to you as you sleep? Every night when I go to bed, I put on a DC movie. Maybe it's uh, Suicide Squad. (laughs) Maybe it's The Batman with Robert Pattinson. But I need something extremely boring to put me to bed. Wow. I can't believe you would do that to them. I hate hard with a mean right there. There goes our sponsorship. For me, I do like the rain white noise. Uh-huh. Not just the white noise, because white noise we do for the kids, the toddlers. But I have so prioritized sleep because after doing all of these science articles on the power of sleep, and that's when you like build up all of your memory, your testosterone, like all of these uh, hormones and all these if you're if you're working out, if you're running. You need sleep. LeBron James famously is like a big sleeper. I'm always curious when he's watching the late game. Not very often. Because you know what makes LeBron James King James, I mean? Crown. (laughs) He might wear a crown while he sleeps. But it's sleep. It's those Zs. It's catching those Zs. It's catching those flies. That's right. Sleep is his superpower. And Calm is the number one app for sleep and meditation. Calm has teamed up with LeBron James to help you activate the power of sleep. And I've tried it before, and man, it does help. You know what also helps is a really boring book. I get through like five pages now. My buddy, Kevin, told me, read in the morning, not at night. And I was like, I get it, but it also helps me put to sleep. The Calm app also helps. Here's what you do. Start reading in the morning. Start using the Calm app at night. Ah, yes. LeBron and Calm know one thing. Your mind is like any other muscle in your body. But you don't have to be a world champion to learn how to train it. Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, you reduce your stress, and perform at your best, just like King James. You know, you always think that the idea is you just got to power through. You got to grind all night. 
Nah, that stuff is like the 1990s. That's the Oscar Robinson days, right, I me? Mean? Did I say Robinson? Havlicek. Never slept. Never slept. Just powered through. Didn't believe in the power of sleep. For LeBron, sleep is a critical part of his mental fitness routine. As he says, quote, Getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. From the sound of rain falling on leaves to bedtime sleep stories, calm puts me to sleep within minutes. That's right, LeBron. I'm right there with you, which means I wake up ready for any challenge, unquote. So if you head to calm.com, that's C-A-L-M dot C-O-M slash Habershow, not Haberstrow. Haber Show, H-A-B as in boy, E-R-S-H-O-W. For a limited time, I mean, you'll not get 10%. No. You'll not get 20%. No. Not even 30%, I mean. 32%? Nope. Oh, that's the big number. 40%, that is the same. Steph Curry shooting from 28 feet or beyond. 40% off a Calm premium subscription. With Calm, you have access to the nature scenes that LeBron loves, like those rain on the leaves. And so much more, like sleep stories, meditations, all so you can be ready for the challenges that life throws your way. I mean, for a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron James, yes, that LeBron James, in using Calm and get a 40% discount. That's right. I didn't believe it either. 40% discount on a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash Habershow. Unlock content to help you focus ease stress and sleep better get started at calm.com slash habershow that's c-a-l-m.com slash h-a-b-e-r-s-h-o-w hey i mean when i go to uh brandon's lab there in in uh was it fort mill right it's in fort yeah. mill south charlotte fort mill yep it's incredible the kind of technology that he uses. And Brandon told me, so at Accelerate, his company, they like to order these tech gadgets or whatever, and they throw away the manual. They don't even, they don't even look at the manual. They just assemble it how they want it for themselves and they cater it to, to their workouts. And also, I think, Brandon, you like the fact that you can kind of, I don't know, do it yourself and learn a little bit more yeah. about the, the tech mm-hmm. just by, by doing rather than just by reading the steps. Yeah. I mean, we look at this stuff like it's a blank canvas and we have to, you know, we have to use it in the way that it, it helps our players get better, not in the way that the manufacturer thinks it should be used. Not that the manufacturer is wrong. It's just that, you know, we have to make it work in a way that helps the individual. And so like, are you, you know, good at Ikea? Like Ikea, like you feel like terrible. you can put this sh- terrible at that i'm terrible at anything that is non-basketball i think you could find a lot of people that would say that i'm terrible at anything non-basketball so we wouldn't just get that out of the way um but but anything that's in here i'm okay at. <laughs> well, can, can you give us an example of like something a that was quote-unquote designed for something you guys said no, no no don't care what it was designed for we're gonna apply it this way we started using a product called FitLight probably about 10 years ago, which is discs, light discs that can light up with different colors. And basically, it was designed to be an agility tool. So it's something where you can use it to be a timing gate. So it's like if you're trying to time somebody in a 40, if you take two of these lights and they face each other, it basically creates a gate. And when you break the gate, it stops and starts the time. It's stuff like that. Or, you know, you can have 
things laterally where you have players racing to a certain number by how many touches they get. I took that and, you know, I, I saw a ball handling, ball handling with it. And that's how I created the stuff that we do with stuff and with, with all the lights and everything. So, you know, the way we use that is different lights signify different moves. So none of his stationary oh, it's ball so hard. It's yeah. so hard to me. But so when you when you see I have the video, lights, I won't send it. I won't send it in the chat. But I have video of me trying to do these these drills. So it's like purple is. I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this, Brandon. But like purple is between the legs. Blue is behind the back dribble. Um, green is left handed dribble. Red is right handed dribble. How uh, fast are they coming? How fast are these lights changing? Um, well, for me, was, was, yeah. <laughs> for Tom, I think we had it set at about a second or a second and a half, which is about as slow as we can make it. Oh, come on! With come Steph, on. with Steph, we're typically from one light to the next. You're looking at 0.2, 0.3 seconds before the next one comes up. But Stefan also does them two and three at a time. So you know. We used to do it one at a time where you would have one light that pops up and you had to make a decision. Then we added a second one and now we've added a third. And it used to be we only had three decisions to make. So it started as cross between behind. And then it went from, okay, well, now you got six colors and it goes from cross to cross, cross, between, to between, between, behind, to behind, behind. And then we start, you know, he just keeps mastering everything. So then we started to add what we call punches where there'd be eight lights or eight different colors that are popping up on these four lights and you've got the six decisions and you've got two different colors, which is punch, which means right-hand punch or left-hand punch. Um, so it, it gets quite complex. Tom, I'm confident that if you did it a couple of times, <laughs> yeah, like a week, you'd be just as good. Yeah. It's all about reps. Week, it's all I, about reps. You give me a week? Okay. Reps. I feel like I could do that. It is crazy. I mean, I... I maxed out in high school basketball, but the level to which these athletes are hyper tuned, like machines, it's crazy. Um, like when you did the workout with Jalen, Luca, and Steph in August of 2018, I think it was. Right Does that after make Luca, sense? yeah, right after Luca was drafted, yeah. Okay, walk us through how that that workout came to be and where Jalen was. Now he's starring at Houston and just wowing people in the NBA. But at this time, how did you get those three players in the same room? You know, Jalen had been a kid that we had been working with um, on and off uh, for a year or so. And, you know, just kind of uh, getting him in the gym when I, when I could. Anytime I was out in the Bay Area, you know, he was in Fresno. They'd come up from Fresno. We, we'd get some work in. And we were, we, you know, we were kind of learning, you know, how to help him and, and how to, how to teach him things. And, and you know, the first thing that jumps out at you with Jalen is just the first time I saw the kid and I just saw him move and I saw him shoot. And I, saw, I was like, Kobe Bryant. I mean, this is, this is amazing. I mean, there's nothing the kid can't do. And he learns very quickly. And, and, he, um, you know, so his goal was to get in a workout with Steph and he wanted to, you know, I, I, we'd always told him like, listen, we don't just throw people in workouts with Steph. Like you kind of, you know, we know you're the number one player in the country and that's cute and all, but you, you kind of have to earn your way into that workout. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and so he, he came and he kept working and working and working. And we got to the point where, okay, we feel like he can get into a workout with Steph and maybe it'd be tough for him to compete in the shooting stuff, but he could make the moves and he wouldn't slow it down. So let, let's give Jalen an opportunity to do that. About that same time, a day or two before the workout, I got a call from Bill Duffy. He said, hey, you know, Luke is going to be in town and we'd like to 
we'd like to have him work out with you. And I said, well, you know, we got a couple guys who are going to be in the gym. I can't remember what day it was. It was Monday or Tuesday. You know, if he wants to come, we got a couple of kids that are pretty good. They're going to be in there if he'd like to hop in. And, and he, he said, I said, it's going to be Jalen and stuff. He said, well, he, he'd love to do it. And he immediately goes into, you know, we haven't had him do a whole lot since, because this was coming off of the the championship and the Euro, the Euro championship. Like, you know, we, you know, he, he kind of started bracing us for the fact that Luca might not have been in the best shape at the time. Uh, so he, wa- he wanted to let us know that. Um, so we get those three guys in the workout. And I tell you, man, you know, for Luca, because it was really his first, it's obviously it was his first time seeing any of the stuff that we did. It was incredibly hard, but the thing that struck me is, is the guy had a smile on his face the entire time. <laughs> He was eating it up and he was, you know, he was trying and, and, you know, and he was getting it. You know, it was, it would be a rough 30 seconds to a minute of something. And then all of a sudden you see him start to smooth out, you see him start to get it. And, it, you know, and he was having fun with it. Um, you know, and then we got into a lot of our shooting stuff that, that you know, where we're changing places and we're changing ranges. We're making moves we're doing all this stuff. And Luca really lit up and, and started and, and finding a little bit of rhythm and, he didn't shoot it, I'm sure, as well as he wanted to that day, but, but you could tell that he was a guy that was going to pick things up quickly. You could also tell, um, you know, his ability to stop and change directions, even not being in, in, in the greatest of shapes that day, was there. And, and that's probably one of the more underrated things that, that folks don't really realize of how these guys are able to create space is their ability to decelerate uh, and change directions. And you could see that night that Luca was, was off the chart with that. Who's the best player, non-Steph Curry category, to come in on day one and maybe not master it, but, like, look the best at the stuff that you guys do? Look the best. Um, man, there's been a lot of guys, I mean, um, to think through there. Um, the one guy, he only came in for a couple of days, and he came in with Steph that I thought did a really good job with it was Mike Conley. Mike Conley was really good. Um, in, in a short period of time, I'll say this: there's been far more that have struggled um, and and been uncomfortable on day one than have, than have looked comfortable. But Mike Conley did stand out to me as being a guy that picked it up quickly. A lot of it is this: like in in order for players to come in and really attack how we're trying to do things, they have to be able to look past the drill. They have to be able to, to really locate the layers of benefit that come from each drill. And if you're a surface guy, if you can only see what's on the surface, you're going to have a hard time going through a lot of this stuff because you're not going to understand how it's helping you. And so the guys that are a little bit of a deeper thinker, guys that ask questions, typically tend to do a little bit better. We all deal with this at the start of the season is small sample size theater. How do you not get too high or too low with the early season results with your clients? Early, you know, years ago when I first started doing this and I was, I was just like I am with my kids. I mean, I, you know, you're, you're living and hanging on every shot. You know, now, now I think about the, uh, the movie major league, you know, when Charlie Sheen's sitting there throwing the ball up and down, looking all nervous on day one. And, um, you know, Jake Taylor comes by and tells him, Hey, we got 161 more of these to go just relax a little bit, you know? And, and I, I think it's a little bit more of that approach now, you know, you, you're certainly excited for them because there's, you're seeing, you know, them have success, but at the same time, you know, that in this league, 
it only takes a couple of off nights for that success to be forgotten quickly. So, you know, I think you, you, you're more hoping that they can sustain it more than anything else than getting overly excited about it, you know, this early in the process. But I am excited for them. Don't, don't let, don't let me, you know, don't let it sound like I'm not excited. I am excited for them, but also understand you're only as good as your last game. And for some people, you're only as good as your last shot. Yeah, what do you, what do you, what should people be looking for for Steph this year? Um, not necessarily new tricks in his bag, but what did you really harp on coming into this season? Really, I mean, to you know, one thing we talked about, and, and and I thought he took a huge step forward last year is he had a different group of guys around him, so he had to kind of uh, adopt a little bit of a different leadership style, and and how he was leading players was a little bit different, and I think that. That is really helping him this year. And I also think that it, it, it's helped him that he's got some other veterans in the room with him. So just continuing to lead by example. And I think this offseason, we spent a lot of time actually in the Warriors facility, working with a lot of the younger guys, getting some head-to-head work in. So I think watching him as a leader, watching him as a communicator, I think you're going to see some pretty big um, some pretty big benefits of the, of the work that he did this offseason there. Of course, he's going to make shots. Of course, he's going to do some things that are amazing. Um, you know, he, he's got a record he might break here in the, in the next uh, few weeks as well. Uh, it's funny, we haven't even talked about that. Steph and I haven't even had one conversation about it. We went the entire offseason not even mentioning it. But, um, but yeah, I think that the leadership and communication and, and how he's he's able to change with this group will be something you see uh, and, and make big steps in. A year ago, we had you on the pod, Brandon, mm-hmm. and you told us about like a conversation you guys had to have with Steph, which basically amounted to, you know, you got to understand like most of these guys have never witnessed the miracle. They've never like they're down 15 and they're like, well, this game is on done. We're not winning this one. They're hanging their heads. And Steph was kind of like, what are we doing here? And you guys had to tell them, like, no, because these young guys weren't around to see 15. Ha, we get make that up in three minutes, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and then that's when that 60-point uh, explosion happened against uh, Portland, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then the season kind of changed after that as people got into it. Now, here we are. we got a new season. And uh, first of all, guys like Poole and Damian Lee – uh, they've been around. This is their third season now in this system. But more importantly, this is their second season of being with Steph and seeing the, the quote-unquote miracle happen. Are you noticing now when you watch uh, the team play that these guys have a higher level of comfort and mastery of the system to where this team is ready to contend in a way that a year ago it wasn't, even though we're still in a pre-clay kind of uh, condition. Yeah, I, I think um, I think there's another word that kind of comes to mind. I think there's more trust. I, I think they trust each other. Um, you know, I was very fortunate to um, that, that the coach allowed me to come in for the first few days of of training camp, and you could see it. I mean, they, they you know there was a um, there was a chemistry there that was similar to the chemistry you've seen in the past, and. You know, I, I think Andre Iguodala is is huge, huge with that. Huge. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's they just such him. yeah, he's just such a great guy to have around, and um, you know, he's he's um, very to the point with the young guys when he needs to be. He's he's you know a little bit softer with them when he needs to be, and 
um, he's able to teach them some lessons when they're actually playing, <laughs> playing in practice because the guy's hands are incredible. The guy, the, the guy can get to any pass, any dribble, any shot. Anytime he wants. And I quote, and I quote, these motherfuckers are crazy. (laughs) They all are. Andre talking about his own hands. These motherfuckers are crazy. It's so funny. Like the first day he was in there and they were, they were doing some three on three or some four on four. And and he was on the team opposite of Steph. Steph saw somebody open and and they looked up. I was right behind Steph and they looked open. And he, you know, he went, he went to throw one of those really hard passes and out of nowhere, you see Andre's left hand just come up and steal it. And he steals it. And he looks at Steph and says, you forgot about that, didn't you? <laughs> you? You guys forgot about that around here. And, you know, so that was, you know, so having Andre around, I think, is really big. And, and I think there's a there's a trust, there's a camaraderie, and, and, you know, there's a chemistry there that's very similar to the uh, Harrison Barnes stuff. Draymond, Clay, that that team, Andre, you know, was a very together team, and you got a similar feeling uh, from that group as, as to what you had then. And they they made some staff changes too. Tell you something, man, Kenny Atkinson, that guy gets after it, and and you know, yeah. it, there's a different, there's a little bit of a was it a little bit of a different energy. Not you know, not that the pre those guys all won championships as staff members, so they did a great job. But sometimes you just need a a little change and and I think that change in energy in the off season really, you know, really catapulted them forward into training camp. And I think they really hit the ground running, ready to compete from game one. I mean, I don't know if you saw it, but the NBA is back. Oh, the NBA <laughs> is back. It is back, I mean, and at DraftKings Sportsbook, an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA, the key to victory is a strong starting 17, wait, strong starting five. Basketball, man, it's five starting fives. Basketball. Don't they have 15 players on the roster and then a two-man, two, two-way contract? Yeah, the two-way guys are not the key to victory. The key to victory are the strong starting five. The top New customers can bet just $5 on any NBA team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. How about that? Wait, $5? And if they win, you get $200 in free bets? Yes, sir. That sounds like a steal. Like a Jimmy Butler steal and running in transition and throwing it down. Are you back on Heat Island, by the way, I mean? I never left, baby. I never left. And so I'm going to make my roster Miami, 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 Miami. That's me. That's what I like to do. But DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get skin in the game with same game parlays. That's right, Tom. You combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is a safe, secure, and reliable resource. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So here's what you got to do. What I got to do? Tell me. I mean, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Boom, done. Use promo code HABERSHOW. Spell it. Not Haberstrow, not my actual last name, but this program, Habershow, bet just $5 uh-huh. on any NBA team to win their game, and guess what you win? $200 in free bets. $200 in free Oof. bets. Ding, 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 ding. And if they win, guess what I mean? You win with promo code, what is it? Habershow. Habershow. That's H-A-B as in boy, E-R-S-H-O-W. 
do that this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an authorized sports betting partner of the NBA. And Amin, mm-hmm. I'm going to let you take us out with that lovely fine print. Oh, man, I love when the lawyers get involved. Hey, guys, must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, so I, I got a question. Me and Zach Harper were doing radio today. And while we're doing radio on NBA TV, they had the classic game of the day, which was actually from five years ago, October 2015. It was Warriors versus Pelicans from this date. It was a season opener for the Warriors. Steph scored like 47, I think, in that game. And as I was watching, I made an observation that I don't think I heard a lot of because last year, Steph obviously had an amazing year, finished, uh, third, I believe, in MVP voting, and people were saying, oh, this is the best year of his career. And I, I won't lie. I was one of those people like, yo, that was an amazing year. And then I watched that game today. I was like, oh, fuck no. That guy was so much better five years ago. That season was such an amazing ride, basically, up until he slips on a wet spot in Houston in the first round of the playoffs. Brandon, you see this guy all the time. You you watch him probably more closely than anybody. You know what he's going to say. Come on. No, I don't. I don't. Uh, be honest. What is the best version? Because I'm going to open up to all the seasons of Steph Curry. What is the best version of Steph Curry you've ever seen? That was a pretty good one. Uh, the, the unanimous MVP year was pretty good. Um, you know, but I, I will say that the the version of, of Stephen Curry today is uh, much more uh, evolved in terms of every, every aspect of the game. Um, you know, physically much, much stronger power metrics and, and strength metrics are still going up, which is a good sign in terms of longevity. That means there's, there's still a lot left to go there. Um, I think the game, and I know this, is, it sounds cliche, but I think it's true. The game is, is slowing. It was slow for him then mentally, but it's slowing down even more now. And I think that's the thing that struck me this summer watching him play with guys. And, and, and there were some really good players in there with us. He just, now he just plays at a different speed. You know, he's more in control of the speed of the game. You know, he, he's become a master at slowing you down to speed himself up. Um, he's become a master manipulator with his eyes. He's moving defenders uh, from, you know, out of certain help spots with his eyes anticipating somebody's going to fill that spot. Um, so I think that right now this is the most evolved version. And I, and I think that's going to continue, but I mean, that, that 2015, 2016 was, was, was a tough guy. I mean, that was pretty tough. And, uh, it was, it was the most explosive score, um, you know, that, that I think I've ever seen. He was explosive as a scorer. Am I also in that assessment conflating because he had a great team at that point that absolutely 100% knew how to play with Steph Curry which versus a team right now that's younger and still learning? Is that at work too or, or what? Or am I, am I off there? I, I think that then you would go back to last year because he had incredible numbers playing with a group of guys that really didn't know how to play with. 
And, you know, and, and so they were learning on the fly and he was adjusting on the fly and to be able to put the numbers together that he did last year with a group of guys, that, you know, didn't have a training camp. They didn't have an off season. You had new pieces come in. He's, they're literally trying to teach stuff in the games, you know, to, to be able to do that last year, I think was incredibly impressive. And I think it's to a lesser extent this year than maybe last year, because again, we've had an off season. There was a training camp. Um, you've added more veterans in the locker room that can, that can help other than himself and Draymond. Um, so I think that, you know, it, it'll be a different, again, a different type of leadership, and a different type of, of learning process this year that I think can lead to some really big numbers. Speaking of big numbers, what a segue, Brandon. That was amazing. I'm Tom Haverstrow, and you're watching The Big Number. Tom's trivia, this segment I love doing this with our guests. Uh, we had Jamal Crawford on a couple of weeks ago who named every single head coach he's played for in the NBA, basically in order. Um, I think what, in I order. Mean, what not, was it, like 20? Not basically, not, not basically in order, in order. Like okay. it's amazing. He named every coach he, could, he played for in the order that he played for. Them. There's like 20 of them. It was nuts. Yes. He came in in 2000. The year 2000 was his first year. And he ended in 2020 in the bubble and every single coach in order. I'm not making you do that, Brandon. I'm not making you do every <laughs> single player that's come through your gym before. But over the last three seasons, Stephen Curry is shooting 40.5% on three-pointers, 28 feet or longer. So these are really deep threes. 109 makes, 269 attempts. Six other players have made at least 50 such shots. How many of those six can we name on this show? 50 shots of 28 feet or longer in the last three years. Yes, these are deep threes. I mean, you're going to go with Damian Lillard as one. Trey That's Young. number one. He has 199, number one on the list with the most deep three makes over the last three seasons. Damian Lillard, number one. I'll go Trey Young. Trey Young's number two on the list. Steph is number three on the list. Trey Young, 128 makes, shooting 37% on such shots. By the way, Damian Lillard at 38%. Steph Curry at 40.5. All right, we're looking for four, five, six, and seven on that list. Is Zach Levine on that list anywhere? Not on that list. Oh, um, he is at number 16 in terms of makes. He's 34 of 114, just a shot shy under 30%. I've got I've got a dark horse. I kind of want to wait and see if Brandon's gonna guess. A dark horse. I've got a dark horse. Uh, oh, this one's. I should I give him a hint? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I, I haven't. I haven't right seen now. Tom's list. I haven't seen Tom's list. But I'm just gonna say this. Think of a team that coached its players. Hey, we're not gonna spot up at the three point line. We're gonna spot up a little bit behind the three point line. Oh, so there's a few of those. Am I good? I'm, Am I am I on the way? Am I on the way, Tom? Am I getting warm? Think of think of a guy who played AAU with the Lopez twins. How about that? Is that is that Lo good? Tom? AAU with the Lopez twins, man. That's well. Are you thinking Eric Gordon here? I'm thinking Ryan Anderson. Oh come on! Last three years, last three bro. Years. Ryan Anderson oh, is not in the league. Uh, is, is oh, it, get is, out of here, dark horse, terrible. Get okay. a hey, get the Apollo Theater broom out. Let's shoot <laughs> okay, off the stage. All right, all right. Is, uh, Chris Middleton, is a Chris Middleton on that list? 
Chris Middleton is not on that list. Um, yeah, I will the, give you a couple more it, hints. We've already Eric talked Gordon? about him on this podcast. Is Eric Gordon? Is Eric Gordon? <laughs> no, I can't. He's, he's 12th on the list. He's shooting 34% on such shots. Um, we already talked about him on this podcast in the Jalen Green workout. Luka so Doncic. Luka, so Luka's, only- Luka's already? Oh, I guess it's the last oh. three years. Never mind. I mean, last three years. Get your ears checked. Okay. Last three years, uh, Luka Doncic, 67 of 228, 29%. Not great. Not great, uh, Brandon. Maybe you throw enough up there, some of them will go in, though, right? You throw enough up, some of them will go in. Jason Capono. (laughs) (laughs) Just leaning in. Just leaning into it. Um, Number four, this guy, Brad Beal is not on that list. But I will say, I will say, most of these are assisted, so we're talking. We're not talking Dame and Trey. He's a spot and up guy, spot like up guy, like a Ryan Anderson type. In 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 transition, uh, East Coast team in Joe transition. Davis, Davis Bertans, gotcha. seventy-seven to two hundred one, thirty-eight percent. And then the guy who starts and stops better than just about anybody in the league, who's struggling a little bit. People are blaming the new rules. James Harden. James Harden. James yeah. Harden. 70 of 200. He is shooting 35% on these deep threes. And the last one on the list is one of the tallest players in the NBA. A guy who people think should be playing the five, but he might not be strong enough to play the five. And so he's playing the four with a new coach this year. That player is... Minute ball. <laughs> I mean, last three. Last 30 years doesn't even work. No, not. Last three years. Okay. You said a Chris Stapps. Chris Stapps. There you go. Yeah. Well, you can settle that. 37 on 37% on those shots. It, no one else. Here's the honest. Here's the honest to God problem. When you said Chris as a like hint, I was going to say Chris Bosch. I wanted to jump like <laughs> final answer. <laughs> Jeez. It's so bad. Uh, you know what? Um, Anthony Mays, Mays, you had it in the chat. Duncan Robinson has not made 50, but he is shooting 44% on these deep threes, which is even better than Steph. No one else in this top 10 is shooting 40% except for Duncan Robinson. Kid can shoot. Yeah, he, he can flat out stroke. You know what? I, I give you props for, you know what, listening to the prompt rather than a mean. We're going to work on this with a mean. Unless he's going to he's gonna troll me from here on out. Is that every time's trivia, he's just going to not listen and totally butcher. What? You said threes? I thought you meant twos. Shaq? <laughs> Bucky Buckerson, who played with Oscar Robertson. When, when they asked Oscar Robertson, is Steph Curry the greatest shooter of all time? He said, no, I played with Bucky Buckerson, or whatever the hell the guy's name was. It's the most mad I've ever been on TV. I think I, I think I told Oscar Robertson to shut the fuck up on national TV. I cleaned it up. I said, shut the fudge up. But I quoted, I quoted Tropic Thunder, the Tom Cruise scene where he's like, oh, you served this country and we owe you a huge debt of gratitude. Thank you. Also. Sit down and shut the hell up. I just went off on TV, man. Oscar. Because it just, it blew my mind. He's no fan it of Steph. blew my mind he said that. He's no fan of Steph. Why? I don't know. Have we ever gone to the end? Of- I have not. I don't understand it. He, he's, he is, he's not impressed. He's not impressed. At all. None. Like he literally, his, the guy, actually the guy he played with was named, I want to say Adrian Smith. And I looked up the guy's numbers and I mean, like, it wasn't even. No three point line. What is he? What? No, it's not even about three-point line. The guy was just an average shooter overall. It's like saying like Paul Millsap. You know, it's like, I mean, he's solid. 
He shot 84% from the free throw line, which is like the all be all end all equalizer. There's no defense. There's no uh, anything, athleticism. Like, if you're a great shooter, that should be like Steph shoots like 95%. This dude shot 84% for his career. Like, how could, how dare you say that this guy was just as good a shooter as Steph Curry? It drove me insane when he said that. I went so crazy on him. Uh, and and it sucks because Oscar Robinson obviously with the greatest really great. of all time, but like yeah, it's great, but that's- but but like still, man. And by by the way, also Adrian Smith averaged eleven points a game, even if his number his efficiency numbers were right there with Steph's. It's like, hey, how about we not name a guy whose career high scoring was eighteen percent or eighteen eighteen points per game? Before we go, Brandon, is he going to win the scoring title again this year? You think he's got it in him? I think so. Uh, I think that, um, you know, quite honestly, he's had a, a few games that haven't been great, but he's still putting up big scoring numbers and uh, good scoring numbers, not big, good scoring numbers. So, you know, you know, that the, the averages are averages for a reason and, and those shots are going to start going in. So those scoring numbers are going to go up. And I, I told some people before the year, I thought he could get back to averaging five, five plus threes per game. And I think that He's not too far off of that right now, uh, is he? He's right around four and a half. You're my numbers guy here. Yeah, he's he's averaging <laughs> four and a half exact. Or sorry, four and a half exactly on threes and twos. So last year he was at five point three, um, hit five point one a couple times in his career. But yeah, I think I think it's possible. Um, I, it, I'll be curious to see how things work when Wiseman comes back, and you know how I feel about that. So we won't we won't belabor that point. But Brandon Payne. Go hop on a plane, go across the country, go watch some Tropic Thunder, go watch your major league, enjoy the Bravos, best of luck to you, and I'm glad my Red Sox aren't in it so we can't put that whoop-ass on the National League. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. Nobody likes your guys. Hey, Brandon, appreciate you coming on the show. Um, thanks so much and safe travels, okay, buddy? All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good one. All right. I mean, I feel like you were just warming up here. I feel like you're just warming up on the hate. The rant uh, engine got started there. Not the Durant engine, but the rant engine. Uh, and something got me upset, uh, Tom, in the uh, in the in the recent uh, the last week. Let's say, how about that? So Sunday, when the Lakers played the Grizzlies, Carmelo Anthony passed Moses Malone for ninth all time on the scoring list. He did it by scoring 28 points in the uh, victory over the Grizzlies. 18 of those 28 came in the second half. I mean, he played great. He didn't play a whole lot of minutes. He was super efficient. It was an amazing performance. I was happy for Carmelo to creep up that scoring list. He is one of the greatest scorers in the history of the NBA. And uh, everything, all good vibes and feelings about Carmelo Anthony. However... Familiar refrain kept coming up. Came up from LeBron. It came up from a couple other players. It came up from David Menem of ESPN.com, who worded it as Carmelo does this achievement in a league that a few years ago didn't want him. And I was just like, all right, let's pump the brakes. Let us pump the brakes on the idea that the league didn't want Carmelo Anthony. What the league didn't want was the version of Carmelo Anthony that was being presented at the time. 
you don't remember what that version was, Maze, can we clip in the answer to the question, are you open to coming off the bench? Um, how do you feel about you know, starting at the four or the concept of starting at the four or even coming <laughs> off the bench? And the second question is... Who, me? Oh. <laughs> 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 I, guess, I guess that answers that part. I, I mean, I don't know where that started, where that came from. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, P, they said I got to come off the bench. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, well, how do you- <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen. He laughed. He said, who, me? Then he laughed some more and turned to Paul George and said, hey, P, they asking if I'm coming off the bench. Ha, ha, ha. How ridiculous. What world would that happen? A year later, that dude was out of the league. Now, you could say... It was just them hating on Carmelo. You could say the league blackballed Carmelo, which is my favorite. Somehow Carmelo has become a political martyr of some sorts on the level of a Colin Kaepernick, right? Or a Tommy John or a, 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 a you know, a, a, ah, fuck, what's the other guy? Yeah, you know who I'm talking about from the 68 Olympics, right? No, Carmelo was just a guy who hadn't at that point realized the game had moved on past what his perception of himself was. And even as LeBron sits there and chastises the league for forgetting about him, last I checked, LeBron has been a pretty powerful advocate on every team he's played for. Meaning, had he wanted Carmelo Anthony, even in a 15th man, minimum non-guaranteed role, LeBron could have made that happen, and yet he didn't. He didn't. He didn't until Carmelo did what? Eventually reformed his game, found his way to another team, proved over the span of basically two seasons that, hey, I get it. I can't do jab, step, hold, jab, step, pump, fake, pump, fake, jab, step, jab, step, up, fake, pap, jab, step before shooting it anymore because the league didn't want that from him anymore. What the league needed was we need you to be efficient in smaller windows, right? Catch and shoot, 24 minutes, 28 points, that sort of thing. And it wasn't until he was out of it that he realized, I got to reform my game. And he did. He got back with uh, Portland. He proved he could do it in smaller windows, smaller windows of time overall playing, smaller windows of time within each possession. And now he's on the Lakers and he's able to do this. So spare me whether you're LeBron James singing a song that you didn't sing when you could have brought your man on board or whether you're David Menerman or any other media member who's trying to tell me that the league said they didn't want Carmelo. What the league said is we don't want cars that go for 10 miles per gallon on gas efficiency. We need more efficient cars. Much like once upon a time, the Hummer H2 was everywhere. And then what happened? It was nowhere. Is it because people said they don't want Hummers? Or is it because they didn't want cars that were inefficient? And now the pride of American automobile manufacturing is what? The Tesla. An electric car. Carmelo Anthony, I'm glad you got that record, but I'm even more glad you're in the league because you realize 
I got to adjust my game in order to still be a part of this. Basically, he needs to pray at the altar of Elon Musk is what you're saying? Nobody should pray at that altar. <laughs> oh, I mean, Fuck I was so guy. excited. I thought you were going to go, Carmelo Anthony. I love you, pal. Did you want me to do, do that? Oh, yeah, let me do it again okay. at Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. All right. Stephen A, here we go. Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> I love you. You know, he's one of my favorite people in the entire NBA. But then he shot 30 times and scored 22 points on my New York Knicks. And I said, Bello, you got to go. <laughs> I, was, I was traumatized. I, I was bewildered, beleaguered by the uh, lack of efficiency Carmelo had out there. But then I saw that the league had forgotten all about him, and I said, Carmelo, this is your chance. I mean, the season has started, sports betting, trying to think of how to take advantage of some of these early fluctuations in the score. Are the Bulls really this good? Warriors, really this good? And should we really be burying some teams that are starting out with a little bit of a rough start? Well, some people aren't really into betting yet, but I'm telling you, it adds so much more to the watching experience. So fun. If you want to get deeper into this stuff, get smarter about betting on sports or just the NBA, you got to get on with the daily tip. Just to see how it feels, Tom, you got to understand that when you're out there with action on the game, it can make what would be a boring game absolutely amazing. Think about this. What if the line on this game I'm watching right now was 12 and a half points, right? Yep. It's a 14-point game under a minute to go. Most people would say, boring, turn it off. But if I got action on the game, I'm watching every last second because I need to see if someone's going to hit that last-minute shot that takes it from 14 to 11 and makes me from a loser into a winner. So the Daily Tip is a podcast that gives you kind of some insights, some edge, make you smarter about betting and just the betting experience. You learn some things. The hosts, Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger, they break down the big takeaways and make sure you know everything you need to get smarter and feel like you know what's going to happen. With featured guests like bookmakers, Odyssey insiders and bet MGM experts, you always feel like you got a fresh take on the action. And your friends, your buddies at the bar or in your group chat, you know what they're going to be thinking? Where'd you get that information from? Where'd you get that? It's from the Daily Tip. Uh, Feel like you're an insider, that you know the ins and outs of sports betting. And you know what? You're right, I mean, Watching the game on a Tuesday night, the game's a blowout, but there's always an angle that you can figure out a way to get in on the action. So as much fun as it is to bet on the game, it's even more fun when you got the inside scoop and listen to Michael and Chelsea. If you're ready to bet with an edge, tune into the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Listen weekdays in the morning from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern on Odyssey, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.